is John 1, verse 6 to 14, and can be found on page 975 of your pew Bible. There was a man named John who was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all may believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him. Yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or by the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and took up residence among us. We observe his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. That's my absolute favorite Advent song. It's a, it's a great, great song. Let's, uh, let's stand together as I want to pray for you and with you this morning. It's real good to be together. You know, it's, uh, it's, been, it's, it's been quite a morning, and, um, but it's, it's good to be here. And even as I was um, uh, just in here in the, in the auditorium during worship practice and just listening to, uh, to everyone just prepare, I know myself, I just had this real... Profound sense of the Lord's presence, just just sensing His His nearness as as uh, the folk were practicing and even now singing these great songs and just to be centered in um, in the great story uh, of Christmas and God's story and this season of of waiting. Let's uh, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for today. Um, just thank you for your nearness, God. Lord, we. Um, we, we, we understand the essence of this season is that you're, you're with us. You're Emmanuel, God who has come to, to be with us. Thank you for that truth. And I, I thank you how, how your spirit just causes that truth to be such a reality in our own lives today. Um, all of us here in this room are waiting on something. And um, each of us are, are waiting for different things. We're all a people in waiting. And I pray that in the midst of our waiting, Lord, you will continue to, to um, grow in us character and perseverance and continue trust in, in your good ongoing work in each of our lives. You're a good God. Thank you, Lord, that you came. Thank you that you're coming again. And may our hearts, Lord, rejoice in your presence and in your goodness. Lord, now as we look into your word, as we gather around your word, God, just help us all to, to approach, Lord, your word with humility, God, and just a, a desire to learn afresh, speak to us through your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be, you may be seated. Well, thanks for coming. It's uh, it's been uh, quite a quite a morning. I'm uh, I'm finding out who the tough people are at Philpot Church, and uh, you're you're on that list by by the looks of things. But it's uh, it's good to be uh, together and it's good to worship together. Thanks everyone for 
for leading us in uh, worship today. As you can see, it's starting to uh, look a lot like Christmas here at, uh, at Philpot. And uh, I'm excited to be kicking off our Christmas preaching series. Back in 1971, one of the world's now most popular Christmas songs was released. So take a listen. So this is Christmas, and what have you done? It's, a, it's an iconic song. You know, that song has been covered by a lot of people. Uh, Sarah McLaughlin, Neil Diamond, uh, Diana Ross, Celine Dion, the Moody Blues, Ario Speedwagon, and even Maroon 5 covered this classic song. Of course, the song was the result uh, of more than two years of peace activism by John Lennon and his wife Yoko Ono and set in the height of a counterculture movement, the song protested America's involvement in the Vietnam War. And the couple had rented billboard spaces in 12 major cities around the world for the display of black and white posters that announced war is over if you want it, happy Christmas from John and Yoko. Of course, the song is rooted in deep concerns for social justice and unity and for peaceful change. The song has, has been a part of my own uh, Christmas playlist for, for, for quite a long time, although admittedly, uh, I listened to the song being for a long time largely unaware of the real setting of the song. I was drawn in by the, the simple melody, the, the melodic structure of this song, and, and the song always seemed to strike for me a bit of a um, reflective tone. And one of the questions the song seems to stir is, well, what do I want out of Christmas? What, what's Christmas for you? What do you expect to, to get out of Christmas? What, what's on your list, right? For the kids who are in the service this morning, do you, have you made your Christmas list? Have you, have you submitted, you know, the, the list of things that you're looking for for Christmas? Well, um, a couple of weeks ago, I realized that something maybe should be on my Christmas list, and that's a new phone. Now, I'm going to show you something that's very, very exciting, a BlackBerry. Yes, a BlackBerry. They are still in existence. So there's another one here. In the, I see that hand, brother. Another one here. Another one back here. Oh, my goodness. Where have I arrived? 
a couple of weeks ago, uh, Angela was over at um, um, Fraser, Fraser Square, right? Fraser Square? Jackson Square. Jackson Square. Where, where, what city am I in? This is Hamilton, right? Yes. Jackson Square. Jackson Square. Uh, and so I, I popped over for a quick visit, and she was in Dollarama, and I actually got insulted by the security guard at Dollarama, believe it or not. Here I, I walk into the store, and of course, as you know, I'm, I'm responding to, to something here on, on my phone as I'm walking in. I know I shouldn't be doing that. And the security guard, a young, younger guy, he, he stops me and says, is that a Blackberry? And I thought he was in a bit of a joking mood. I said, yeah, it's a Blackberry. Believe it or not, they, they, uh, they're still in existence. And, and, and he didn't crack a smile. He says, why are you still using that? <laughs> and he caught me off guard for, for one, once in my life. I was stuck for a word. And I, I, again, I thought this was going to get more kind of joking around. And I said, oh, you know, I, I still, you know, still like to use it. Love the, love the, the physical keyboard. You know, my, my thumbs don't do well on touch. You know, he's not cracking a smile. And finally, finally, he says, no, serious. Why are you still using that? And so I'm, I'm about to go on, and I hear him say, he said, that's lame. That's lame. And, and, and I, was, I, was, I was like, Anyway, I remember, no, you're a pastor, Russell, keep on walking. <laughs> and so that's what I did. I just kept on, I just kept, but he, he was quite incredulous about the fact that I'm still using a Blackberry. Yeah, you got a flip phone. Yeah. I was going to say that's lame, but it's not. It's perfect. Best kind. Best kind. What, 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 what do I want out of Christmas? It's a great question to, um, to think through on this first Sunday of Advent. And as we enter what is often a hectic time, Advent invites us into a different rhythm. Advent draws us into a posture of, of waiting and, and reflection. Keeping, keeping watch over our hearts and our minds as we anticipate Christmas Day. The fact that Christ has come and Christ is coming again. And one of the things that we want to do as a church and through this preaching series is to tune our hearts to God's story, the story of Christmas, the story that's rooted in God's redeeming, rescuing love. And so in this series, we'll be taking a closer look at the Christmas story as told by uh, the biographer of Jesus named Luke. And I've invited some people to, to join me in this series and have formed a bit of a, a preaching team for, for this month. And so uh, you'll be hearing from uh, Dean Billings. Dean is right here. Wave at us, Dean. There you go. And Tim Whitehead is here. Tim will be sharing with us this month, and Ben Froze over on this side. And so these uh, folk will be helping me uh, during this preaching series. And as we, as we walk through um, the, the Christmas story as told by Luke. So, so, this, so this is Christmas. And we begin in Luke chapter 2, or Luke chapter 1, sorry. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 1. And we're going to pick up here the narrative in verse 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. 
In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. May God bless the reading of his word. Uh, No doubt in these days, a lot of you are, are busy making preparations for Christmas, and that's kind of where we begin this series with a, a message uh, subtitled Christmas Preparations, and it's kind of what we see unfolding here in this text. There are some, some preparations happening. There, there's this unfolding plan of God that's being, being realized, and so we begin this series with a birth announcement. And this is, uh, this is quite a scene. Uh, you know, of course, birth announcements have become a pretty big deal in our time, right? And uh, some couples uh, put a lot of creative effort into announcing the fact that they're having a baby. And maybe there has been some creative birth announcements here uh, as a part of, of our church. But but despite the fact that we've seen a lot of creative birth announcements, uh, I think it's safe to say that nothing can come close to topping this birth announcement. Verses 26 and 27. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a, a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So there are several things, I think, we should uh, take note of here. First of all, the reference to the sixth month ties this birth announcement to another couple. And in fact, Luke's gospel begins, and we didn't take time to read it, but Luke's gospel begins by telling us that another couple, a a priest named Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, would, would also be having a baby, a baby boy. And what I want you to make a a mental note of is that these two mothers, Mary and Elizabeth, 
and their sons belong to one story. And, and we'll come back to that a little later on in the text. There are several other things, uh, really astonishing things about this birth narrative. And one of them, of course, is the visit of an angel and Gabriel. There are, there are only uh, really two angels angels that served God, that are actually named in Scripture, Gabriel and Michael. And, and Jewish tradition includes Gabriel among archangels who stood before God's throne. And so Gabriel is sent by God to make this announcement. And this is where our, our imaginations can kind of run wild because uh, I've, I've never been visited by an angel that I, that I know of at least and so, you know, what, what's that like? What was it like? What did, how did the angel appear? How did, you know, what, what was that whole experience like? There was one time when, for a brief second, I thought maybe I was visited by an angel. A, a number of years ago, we, had, we were in the midst of, back in St. John's, a, a pretty nasty snowstorm. Just picture what we're experiencing today, just all snow. It, it was just a nasty snowstorm. And for some reason, I, I had to get to the church. And I, I, I don't really remember why, but I had, I, for some reason, I had to go to the church. Um, it may have been maybe an alarm system going off. I can't really remember. But I had to get there. And I remember coming up, and, and there, it's up on a bit of a hill. And I remember thinking, you know, this parking lot is just kind of... Uh, being, being nailed with snow, and, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to get on and off. So anyway, I, I just kind of get up off uh, on the platform, on the platform, on the, on the, uh, on the parking lot, uh, do what I need to do, but, and then I'm trying to get off. I'm just, I'm stuck. There, there's no traffic around, and all of a sudden as I'm there wondering, I, I'm wondering what to do. I don't, have a, I don't have a shovel with me, and all of a sudden I see these lights of a pickup truck just come on on the parking lot. And this guy, who I don't even know, he gets out and starts helping me and starts shoveling out, shoveling out my, my, my tires. And, and, get, and, and, and for a second I'm thinking, I'm being visited by an angel. But then he took out and lit out a cigarette, and I thought, no, uh, <laughs> He's probably not an angel. Um, I, I just don't, you know, connect those two things usually with angels. But I, I've never been visited by an angel. So what was, what was this like for, for Mary? There, there's some other surprising things about the birth announcement. God sends Gabriel to a city in Galilee named Nazareth. And of course, the first century reader would be amazed at at this detail. Nazareth was a non-place, a small backwater town with a bad reputation, insignificant, despised, unclean. Many of you, maybe your minds go to John chapter 1 where, where Jesus calls Philip to be his, his, his disciple. And, and Philip, of course, what he, go, he goes and finds his buddy Nathaniel. And, and uh, he, says, he says, Nate, he says, Nate we, we found him. We have found the Messiah. And remember Nathaniel's response? He says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And so let's, let's note what God is doing here. God bypasses Judea, which contained the holy city of Jerusalem, and he comes to a despised country and town, Nazareth in Galilee. 
God bypasses the temple and comes to what is most likely a very humble home of a poor family. And what's more, God comes to a young, poor teenage girl. And this young girl, Mary, was engaged to be married. Of course, this engagement is quite unlike what we are familiar with. This engagement period uh, most often would last a year, could only be ended by divorce or death and and the engagement concluded with the wedding night, at which point the, the marriage could finally be consummated sexually. And, and then we come to verse 28 and says, And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Mary, God's grace is on you in a special way. God is with you, Mary. And Gabriel greets Mary with words of grace that God is with this young, obscure girl in a very special way. And so, why Mary? As one, as one person writes, from all indicators, her life would not be extraordinary. She would most likely marry humbly, give birth to numerous poor children, never travel farther than a few miles from home, and one day die like thousands of others before her, a nobody in a nothing town in the middle of nowhere. So what do we make of all this? Well, as I was thinking about that, I think one of the things that we are reminded here is that God is a, God is a ascending God, and that God uses people to fulfill his purposes. I'm reminded at the end of John as Jesus gathers with his disciples and says, you know, as the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. And, and we're reminded here that God is a sending God. He uses people, and there's this mysterious yet meaningful partnership between God and people, between, between hum, humanity and, and the divine. The second thing is that what God does in the world has nothing to do with our age, our hometown, or our social standing because God uses whomever he chooses. You may remember in 1 Corinthians, the writer is writing to these people and says, listen, he says, many of you, not many of you were wise and not many of you were powerful by worldly standards, but God chose you and he, he chose you to confound the, the wisdom of, of the wise. And, and later on in, in, in this chapter, uh, there's this great song of Mary and one of the things she rejoices in in verses 48 and 49 is that he has looked on the humble estate of my life, he, his, his servant. And so God, God uses whoever he chooses. And so this is a good reminder to us that God comes to needy people. That God, by his grace, comes to humble, needy people. People who recognize their, their need. Mary, Mary is, is chosen solely as a matter of, by a matter of God's grace. And God is saying, Mary... Despite your humble circumstances, you are highly favored. And God is with you in a very profound way. And so you can appreciate then Mary's response in verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. 
me highly favored? The, the Lord is with me and going to use me to accomplish this thing that you're describing to me? Her age and her, her being a Galilean villager would have given her little social standing. And so she's trying to, to make sense of all of this. And, she's, and then in verse 30, the angel says to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And it seems like God is saying to Mary, You know, you won't understand everything. And there's no way that you'll ever be prepared for what is going to happen next. But Mary, receive this message in your heart. Don't be afraid. Don't let fear paralyze you because the Lord is with you. You know, God calls and invites us all to be free of fear. Throughout the scriptures, this, this call is made. Do not be afraid. Fear not. I think of Isaiah chapter 41, which says, Fear not, for I am with you. And be not dismayed, for I am your God. And I will strengthen you. And I will help you. And I will uphold you with, the, the right, with my righteous right hand. You know what helps us conquer fear is relational intimacy with Jesus. Relational intimacy. Not just, not just religious activity, but real relational intimacy with Christ. This lingering with Jesus. And as we linger with Jesus in prayer, fear, fear must bow. And as we're drawn into relational intimacy, God, by his spirit, reminds us that Christ dwells in the obscure details, that Christ dwells in, in the mystery, and that he will strengthen and he will uphold. And then we come to verses 31 to 33. And the scripture says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb, you'll bear a son, you'll call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary, you, you will give birth to the promised Savior. You should call his name Jesus. And, and the name implies that he will save his people from sin. And Mary, this baby will actually be the son of the Most High. He will be God's own son. I mean, this is beyond what any human could ever imagine. And how does Mary respond in verse 34? The angel, the, and Mary says to the angel, How? How will this be? And then she states the obvious, Since I am a virgin. I mean, Mary gets it. She's, she's not a cosmopolitan by any stretch. She, she doesn't have the internet. But she understands biology. She knows how impossible this is. And isn't it interesting that Mary's question is, How? It, it doesn't seem like Mary is lacking belief. Mary, is, Mary doesn't seem...
seem to be questioning God's ability to do it, but, but how? And Mary's question seems to build on faith. And as, as Kent Hughes writes, she understood the, the gist of the angel's announcement. You're going to become pregnant. You're going to call your son's name salvation. He is going to be the son of God, and he will be the Messiah. I mean, what an earful. What an incredible, heartful. But how? How? And the angel answered her and said, Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God. Now I'm, I'm not sure how helpful this really is in answering Mary's question. And so I, I think there is this sense that Mary does not need to know the mechanics of how it will happen, only to be confident that the Lord has said it will happen and no word from God ever fails. It seems to be what Mary needs to know at this point. No word from God ever fails. And then, and then we're brought back to Elizabeth in verses 36 and 37. And behold, your, your relative Elizabeth, Gabriel says, in her old age, age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren for nothing will be impossible with God. Now remember, at the beginning of this sermon, we noted that there are, there are two birth announcements at the beginning of Luke's gospel. We have two mothers and their sons, which belong to one story. And so Elizabeth's son, John, would, would go on to serve Jesus in a very special way. He would, he would act as this, this forerunner, this, this man who would kind of prepare people for the message and the ministry of Jesus. And so Gabriel says to Mary, Elizabeth, who, who by the way was barren and quite elderly, she's also pregnant, Mary, and, and she's going to have a son. And one of the things that I reflected on as I read that, and it just, the thought came to me that isn't it like God to have someone come alongside Mary for support and encouragement? It's, it's something that God does. And maybe you've experienced that or are experiencing that right now. That, that all of a sudden God sends someone along to come alongside you and, and to help. What a blessing Elizabeth, this godly elderly woman, would be to this young girl. God connects them together. And again, we're brought back to the fact that what Mary needs to know here, what she needs to know is that God's word never fails. There's no way in this moment she is going to understand what's about to happen. There's nothing that could have prepared her for this moment. There, there's no way all of the questions that are going through her mind are going to be resolved. What she needs to know is that God is with her and God's, world, God's word does not fail. 
And sometimes it's the same in our lives. What we want to know, we sometimes can't. But what we need to know is that despite everything that's going on, God is with us. Nothing's impossible with him. And his word will not fail. He's a God of grace and power because, as you know, very old ladies and virgins don't give birth. But, verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. And so, Mary, what you have heard is astounding. And this news, Mary, is going to impact your life in every conceivable way. It's going to impact your family. It's going to impact your engagement, your relationship, your future. And along this journey, Mary, you're going you're to need to return over and over again by faith to this promise that God is with you and his promises never fail. What God has promised, he will accomplish. So rest in that. Take joy in that. Trust in that. God's purposes are bigger than us, and they are for our good. And how does the text end? Verse 38. Mary's response is, is, uh, is quite remarkable. Mary says, well, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. <laughs> it's, it's, it's remarkable, isn't it? I'm God's servant. So let, let God's will be done in my life. And the angel leaves. Now, there, there, there's no way Mary understands all that has been said or has any idea what lies ahead, but through her confusion, we have this picture of Mary's humble faith. Lord, I'm your servant. And though I don't have a clear picture and I lack understanding, Lord, you lead, and I'll do my best to follow. You know... Uh, Jesse and team, you guys, can, you guys can come back. We're in the midst of preparations for Christmas. And, and as, as we approach Christmas, and what is a, a special time of the year, we all know that there's no pause button for life, right? And uh, all of the things that each of you are, are, you know, all of us are waiting for something, and, and, and sometimes we wish, you know, we could just press pause and, and kind of experience Christmas and then pick up the stuff again after Christmas. Well, there, there's no pause button to life. Um, Christmas comes, but the stuff that we're wrapped up in right now, and maybe some of the confusion and the hurt and, and, and the worry, you know, that, that you, you don't press pause to that stuff. And, and so it's helpful that we end with this image of Mary trusting despite the unknown. 
it's a good image for us to end on here, but also a good image for us to, be, to, to begin this Christmas season of Mary not having all the details, surely having more questions and answers, but yet this image of her just expressing this simple trust in Jesus despite the unknown. And Mary yields in faith. And, 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 I, and I like what one writer says this, that the only way a person can genuinely say what Mary says is to believe that God's plan is better than our plans for ourselves. That's the only way Mary can respond. And that's the only way we can respond like Mary is to believe that God's plan for us is far better than our own plans. Because I don't know about you, but I probably may have done some things differently in my life. I, I, I may have maybe not wanted to experience this or experience that, but yet God's plan somehow is better than my own plans, and I'm better off for it. And this is how faith responds to grace. Lord, not my will, but yours. Lord, by faith, I believe you're working for my good and for your glory. And so let me ask you as we begin, as we sing this morning and as we come around the Lord's table, how, how fearful are you this morning? What are you afraid of? When, when you have these alone, quiet moments, just you and, and your thoughts, what is, it, what is it you're afraid of? In, 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 in what areas is your fear maybe revealing a, a lack of trust and submission to the Lord? Where, where do you need to yield today? In this season of waiting, friends, may, may your faith be renewed. And may you be reminded of and experience the Lord's presence today and into this month. May you be intentional about having these moments of relational intimacy with Jesus. The, these, these moments of just lingering in the presence of God. Will we believe that God can do what he says he will do? And let us by faith believe that God has accomplished salvation through the work of Christ and let us by faith live each day confident that God will keep all of his promises no matter our daily circumstances. May we believe God's plan even when we don't fully understand. Friends, this is a message. This is a story of special grace and special presence. And thank God he is with us today in this moment. And in the quietness and the remaining moments of this service, let's be drawn in. Let's be drawn into this posture of Mary. Lord, I'm going to trust and I'm going to believe despite the unknown. Amen. We're going to
we're going to have communion. You know, it's a bit of a different, more smaller crowd. I, do, there are some elders here this morning. Come, can, can we serve people this morning? You know, Christmas is a time of giving and sharing. And, and this morning, we're going to ask you to ask some of the elders to come. Um, and if there aren't, uh, Mick, Mick, come in. Yeah, come. Just, just um, take some things and would you serve the people this morning? And as you uh, take the emblems of Christ's broken body and take that and share that with the person next to you, would you, as some of the elders here come and, and try to make this happen on the fly? Sorry about this, guys. You never know what you can expect at Philpott on a Sunday morning, right? Just, just go ahead and, uh, yeah, thanks. Just take, take the plate and pass it along to the next person as we share with one another and as in this moment we're drawn to, to trust and believe even when we don't understand. Amen. Yeah, may, may we be unwavering in our hope today. That's a, that's a great line in that song. It's kind of like Mary, right? She's kind of unwavering in her hope and her trust in the midst of a lot of unknown details. You know, we, we gather here on the first Sunday of Advent and we gather around the table of the Lord, which reminds us that uh, Jesus has come. But it also points us to the fact that he's going to come again. And, and until that day, the scripture says, by this act we proclaim proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Amen. Let's uh, eat the bread together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Your broken body, Lord. Broken for us. This cup represents a new covenant. This blood that Jesus shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Every time we eat and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death. We, we testify to the fact of God's saving grace. Let's drink together. Amen. Amen. I want to pray with us this morning. And, and after, uh, after we finish, if there are those here this morning you'd like, uh, you'd like for me or, or other people to, to pray for you, please, please come and we'd be glad to, to pray for you and with you this morning. Um, there, there is no uh, soup lunch today. Um, just made a decision earlier this morning to kind of forego that as it might be a, in everyone's best interest to to try to get home. I'm going to try to get up the mountain. We'll see how, uh, we'll see how that goes. Let me pray for, for us. And I'd love to be able to pray for anyone this morning who needs prayer. And so we invite you, invite you to come. But as we pray and as we, as we leave this morning, let's, um, let's leave with this image in our minds of, of Mary trusting despite the unknown. And uh, let's, let's, let's be like Mary. Let, let's try to trust and ask for grace to trust him more. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you that we can be together. And it's um, just always special when we gather together as your people to sing together and 
to hear from your word and just to, to see each other again and, and thank you for that. Lord, and no doubt here this morning, as, as we've said earlier, that there are people who are waiting on a variety of things and there are people who are asking a lot of questions and sometimes we don't have all the answers to what, to what we want to know. But Lord, a lot of times um, what we need to know is that you're with us. What we need to know is that you've gone before us. And what we need to know is that there is not one promise in your word that will fail. And what we need to know, Lord, is that you are working for our good and for your glory. And what we need to know is that you will not forsake us. And so I pray, Lord, for enduring hope here this morning. I pray for wisdom for people. And I, I pray for renewed strength in people's lives today. Lord, maybe there were, there's someone who came here this morning on the verge of, of giving up in some way. And I pray that this morning, Lord, through this time of worship and, and ministry, Lord, that uh, hope is being renewed Lord, I ask for your gifts, Lord, to be manifested to your people, Lord. I pray for gifts of healing, God, to come today and peace, Lord. And just this, this tangible awareness of your presence, God, in each of our lives. Bless us, each one. Lord, bless all the families that are represented here. Bless our church. And we each, Lord, we each, Lord, just want to trust and believe. May our faith be renewed. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen.